We are going through the book of Hebrews, and we now are, are we're just uh, got started in chapter 11. Of course, we already know that this is the chapter of faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And so now we've come to a very familiar uh, person that we're all familiar with, and I'm in chapter 11, we're looking at verses 8 and 9 tonight. How to put a title on this evening's message would be, True Faith is Waiting Faith. True Faith is Waiting Faith. There are times when we are living by faith that uh, there's times when we just have to wait. Abraham is a good example of this, and we're going to see it a little bit more in detail. But Abraham uh, was a man by, uh, that walked by faith. And he walked by faith. And, uh, of course, we understand that Abraham, uh, he uh, kind of wondered. Uh, he never ever settled himself. And he never did see the promise that was given to him come to fruition. But... Abraham lived as if he had already seen what God had promised. That's faith. God has promised us many things. And if we are people of faith, we have to understand that sometimes we have to wait. I don't know about you, but I don't like waiting. I've seen some of you at the traffic light. <laughs> Brother Glenn has alluded to it as that demonic light. I got news for you. There's more than one dynamic. Uh, dynamic <laughs> oh, Lord, they're speaking in tongues now. Uh, <laughs> demonic light in this town. Matter of fact, just about every one of them is demonic. Okay? So, uh, and I know, well, I don't like waiting. I probably have said this before, but uh, you get upset when you go into the express lane and you find out that the person in front of you has one item more than what they said they ought to be having to be able to be in that lane. We do not like waiting. And especially when it comes to our spiritual lives, we want God to do it now. But my dear friend, the reason why he doesn't always do something right then is because he's testing our faith. And some of us have failed at it. We get upset. We, stop, uh, we get ahead of God. We get out of the will of God because we don't like waiting. Abraham was a man of faith and he uh, lived as if the promise that was given to him had already took place. That's how we ought to live as well. And so here, uh, starting in verse number 8, listen to what the Bible says. It says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should uh, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. Now, I want you to underline that word, obey. When you're talking about a life of faith, obedience has to be paramount in that. You have to obey what God has told you, uh, what God has promised. We need to act in obedience upon that. If you do not have obedience in your faith, then your faith will fail. You don't have faith, actually. Faith and obedience goes hand in hand. Okay? And so he says, uh, and, and he uh, went out not knowing 
whither he went. Abraham was called. We see that he was called out of Ur. Now, I always get a little tickled about that name. I've always uh, have uh, enjoyed uh, little towns in their names. And how do their little town get their name? Uh, I've been uh, told that there's a little community called Possum Town. We have some that are citizens of Possum Town. And those who are acting up in the service, those are the ones who are from Possum Town. (laughs) I don't know if I would be real boastful about being from Possum Town, but... (laughs) Well, how did he get its name? We don't know. Another is street names. I'm, I'm just intrigued by how streets and roads got their names. Taylor Peeler Road. I've had Taylor, Southeast Taylor Peeler. Taylor, you know, and I'm thinking, how in the world? I've heard all kinds of stories about how that road got its name. But here, this... Man, Abraham was from the town of Ur. How would you like to go around and you're at a Bible conference and, and say, hey, where are you at? Where are you preaching at? I'm, I, I preach at First Baptist Church Ur. <laughs> but that's where he was from. And, but he got the call. Now, under, and understand this. Abraham was a very well-to-do man. He had everything that he needed. He had a very comfortable life there in Ur. But God one day spoke to him and told him he needed to go. Now, we all know the story. Abraham, we do not see it in Scriptures where he asked, Well, where are you going to take me, Lord? He just got up. The Bible says he just got out and he went. Why is that? Because of his faith. He heard from God. God told him to do something and he acted upon what God had told him. Why? Because of his faith. But we also see that as he leaves, he had no clue. He did not get a map. He didn't get, uh, he couldn't Google. He couldn't uh, get that, uh, the, I don't know, some of you uh, have different uh, uh, people, but uh, on our uh, GPS type thing, uh, we have the British sounding girl. You, and they always, I always like, uh, you have, uh, take a turn here at Lebanon Pike. Says, she ain't from here. It's Lebanon, right? And so, and so he, but he, he went because of his, he acted upon his faith. And he acted upon his faith because of his obedience, Matter of fact, when you have a discussion, uh, if you go to the Middle East, everybody recognizes Abraham. They recognize the name. Now, for, for different reasons. And Abraham, he was the father of all nations. Remember the promise that God gave him? He would be, uh, that his, his uh, descendants would be like the grain of the sand and, and all of that. And, and so God uh, heard uh, and talked to Abraham and told Abraham to go. And Abraham did exactly what he was told to do. Now look at verse number 9. He says, and by faith, he sojourned. That word means he's just traveling through. What a wonderful picture that is for us. See, our life down here is a sojourner's life. 
But see, we, this is temporary for us. We understand that we do not uh, have roots down here because this is not our final place. This is not where we're going to live for all eternity. We have a place called heaven waiting for us. We're just sojourners. And so, because of that, we live by faith. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise. <laughs> I like that. Abraham understood that this was promised to him, so he acted upon that. And goes on, he says, as in a strange country. Oh, i got to stop there a little bit. I don't know about you, but the older I'm getting, I feel more detached from this world. I feel like I'm a stranger. I turn on the evening news and I see all kinds of, of wickedness going around. I, I see how our society is, is going down. And I see how many things that we never would dream that would be taking place uh, are now taking place. Who would have thought just 20 years, 10 years ago that we would see men and men marrying and women and women marrying and then also adopting children and saying that they have two mommies and two daddies. How, did you ever Never in your wildest dream thought you would be living in a country where that's now what they want you to believe is the norm when it's not the norm. We live in a strange land. We're living in a strange land where right seems to be wrong and wrong seems to be right. And I'm seeing now, but more, that it, it just seems like I'm out of touch. Do you ever feel like you're just swimming upstream by yourself? If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the way you should feel because this is not our home. Our home is a place called heaven. And so by faith, uh, he sojourned and he knew that he was a strange country dwelling in tabernacle. Now that word also can be used as tent. Abraham, when he was traveling alone, he would have a tent. Tents are temporary structures. We understand when you looked at the tabernacle uh, there uh, that Moses in, uh, in the wilderness, uh, it was a tent. It may referred to as a tent. Why is that? Because when God moved, they had a take-up stake and they would move where God was moving. It was all temporary. The tabernacle was temporary. And of course, we understand the progression here. They now uh, went and they built the first temple and then they uh, built the uh, next temple. Why was that? Because they believed that's where the presence of God was and they would go where the presence of God was. But we do not longer have a temple. We don't have our own tabernacles. Why is that? Because we understand that our Holy of Holies now resides within us. Okay? And so he says, he says they're dwelling in the tabernacles with Isaac, Jacob, and the heirs with him of the same promise. Abraham was a man of faith. Let's uh, just uh, jotted some things down to, uh, very quickly. First of all, if true, you have true faith, then you are dead to doubt. Did you hear that? If you have true faith and you're acting upon your faith, then you are dead to doubt. You should not have any doubt that what God said 
God said. You should not have any doubt about what is truth. We are living in a society now where everybody has truth. No, this is right. This is right. No, this is the church. No, this is the true church. And we have all of these talking heads. And there's all kinds of things that are being promoted as truth when there's only one that is true, and that's God's Word. God's Word is truth. We should not have any doubt what Word of God says that it happened. It, you can go ahead and you can reach the skeptics and they'll say, can you prove that scientifically? Can you prove it this way? I'm telling you, we don't have to prove anything. We just tell them it's God's Word and God's Word is truth and I'll rest upon that. My faith is based upon what God has said. Amen. So you should be dead to doubt. But you also should be dead to discouragement. The reason why our country and our world is in turmoil where everybody's worried about what's going to happen with North Korea, what's going to happen uh, in, in the Middle East, what's going to happen in Syria, what's going to happen with Russia. And there's everybody. They're all kind of, the whole world seems to be in upheaval and there seems to be discouragement and, and, and things are not going their way. We understand now the, uh, the, the, the liberals are all upset because Conservatives are coming in and everybody's discouraged and everybody's saying, I don't know what's going on. I'm telling you, my dear friend, when you have true faith, you have to become dull to discouragement. You shouldn't be discouraged over anything. I don't like the way things are going today. I don't like what's coming down the pike, but I'm telling you, I don't have to worry about that. I'm not discouraged about that because my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ helps dictate to me that that sooner or later, things will get better. And I really believe it's going to be sooner. I believe he's going to bust the sky wide open. I believe we're on the verge that he's going to call the church home. I'm telling you, everybody's got doomsdayers. You know, oh, you better stock up. And everybody's digging uh, and everybody's buying the food that lasts for 30 years. I'm telling you, I think you would be very foolish that you think it's okay to eat food that can be reserved for 30 years. <laughs> that just does not sound appealing to me. It doesn't sound healthy to me. But I'm not discouraged because my eyes are not down here. My eyes are upon him because of my faith. But then he goes on and he uh, talks about not only our faith, uh, but uh, talks uh, about being dull to discouragement. But I also jotted this down. Because of true faith, we can be blind to impossibility. Now, I have a little fun with my, whatever you want to call it, handicap or whatever it is, I don't know. I do get a little small deduction on my taxes because of it. And when I say small, I mean small. And, and I make jokes, you know, and, and y'all, you know, y'all give me a hard time about it. And I haven't forgiven you over that and... I'm working on it. I'm getting close. But I enjoy, I mean, I, you know, hey, listen. Life's too short to be in the muddy grubs and get in your juniper tree just because you have a little issue going on in your life. And, and I, I, I think, uh, but when I talk about being blind to impossibility is that with God, 
all things are possible. And so when somebody says, oh, that was impossible. I had somebody not too terribly long ago uh, talking about the ark to, to me. And they said, I just think that's pretty impossible. Something that big can float. I said, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? With God, all things are possible. See, some of you uh, and many uh, people outside these walls, they are, they are bound by impossibility. See, they've been told, you might have grown up in an environment where somebody said you'll never amount to anything. You might have been grown up in a family that says you'll never make it there. You, you'll never could do something like that. And, and then you know, and you got discouraged by that. I want you to know, oh, especially with our children and with our teenagers, we need to help them to encourage them that with God, all things are possible. We need to encourage them about that. Some of you grew up in that type of house and it's carried you and it has dictated where you're at today. Oh, you've been able to overcome some things, but that still kind of rubs you the wrong way at times. You need to be set free from that. God can do the impossible. And so here we understand Abraham. Don't you think Abraham, when, if he was able to uh, go and, and, and talk to somebody and they say, Hey, Abraham, I see that you're moving out. Where are you going? Don't know. God will tell me. Well, that's the most foolish thing I've ever seen. What's wrong with you? I got faith. God told me I'm going. But you don't know where you're going, Abraham. Doesn't matter. God will tell me just when I need to know. My dear friend, that's how we ought to be living our lives. We ought to be living our lives. God has told us in what direction to go, and I keep on going until he tells me otherwise. But notice here, Ur, if you know anything about Ur, it was a, he was, Abraham was surrounded by pagan worshipers of the moon. Now, I, I thought about this. Why would God call a man out that had a, a man of faith, a man of God, why would God call him out of an environment that so desperately needed to hear about faith? Why would he do that? If I was God, I would say, no, Abraham, you need to stick in, man. We've got a lot of work to do with these bunch of pagans down here. I started thinking about that, and here's what. The Lord just showed me this. He said, could it be that Abraham was called, even though he was a faithful man, he was called out of Ur because you go to Romans and see that there comes a time where a person, and I believe even a community, can come to a reprobate mind. God said, I've dealt with them long enough. They're not going to listen to me. So I'm taking God's man out of the picture. There are people all around us in this community that have something against us. And it's not because they're not our personality. It's not because we're not nice. It's, not, it's because we're people of faith. And so they're doing everything they can to discourage us. But I'm telling you, and they'll say, I'll be so glad when those bunch of Bible thumpers get out of here. My dear friend, they're going to get their wish one day. And when they get their wish, they wish they had never, ever said something like that. Because all hell's going to break loose then. 
this city, this town, this community, this nation, and the nation in which we know, they don't realize the grace of God has been upon them, even though they don't recognize it, the grace of God. How do you, can you say that? It's because he's allowed us to stay here. And could it be the reason why we're still here tonight is because the Lord says, I just want you to have some more uh, seeds. You got some more uh, light that you need to shine. You have some more darkness that you need to go in and under. Uh, could it be the reason, and the only reason, I believe it's the only reason why we're still here tonight is because there's the hope that some more will come to know Jesus Christ before he comes. So he pulls Abraham out of Ur. Abraham goes on his merry little way. But there's two ways that you can live your life. First of all, you can live it by sight. That's how the world operates. Or you can live it by faith. In verses 1 and 2 of chapter number 11, we see he gives the description of faith. He describes faith. And even though we might not can wrap our minds around it, he describes faith. And the rest of this chapter, chapter 11, he demonstrates faith. And so now we've come to Abraham. And it says, by faith, Abraham. First thing we see is that he's got his call already alluded to that. God called him, and Abraham didn't ask any questions. He packed up, and he went on. We see here in Joshua chapter 24, verses 2 through 3, in Joshua 24, when he gave the promise to Abraham, it goes even further back from Abraham. Terah. Terah was the father of Abraham and Nahor. And that promise goes even further back than that. See, here's what we need to understand tonight. God doesn't just, uh, I say, you know, I got a plan, uh, but I'm just going to go ahead and I'll spring it on them a little bit later. God had all this already planned. Matter of fact, he already had the, the plan for your life and the purpose for your life. God doesn't make any mistakes. God knew where you were going, how you were going to get there. God knew when you were going to get saved. God knows those who are not going to be saved. Why do we know that? Because God is an all-knowing God. He's a sovereign God. But here's where we differ in some others who have another theology. We can agree God knows everything. But that doesn't mean that God hinders those from hearing in responding to the gospel. See, there's a theology out there that says, hey, you know, God only speaks to the ones who are going to be saved. They'll tell you things like, well, you know, yes, Jesus did die, but his blood was only limited to those who are going to be saved. It's called Calvinism. And my dear friend, if you haven't heard of it, I don't know where you've been. Our convention, and I'll go ahead and use the word, is under attack with that type of theology thinking. Our seminaries are cranking them out, believing that it's not whosoever, but it's only for a select few. As far as I'm concerned, and I'll try to get along with everybody, but as far as I'm concerned, that's heresy. I think the Bible is quite clear it's a whosoever gospel. I believe that the gospel is for every 
whosoever. It doesn't matter where you were born. doesn't matter how much money you make. doesn't matter how smart you are. It all boils down that Jesus, when he died, I believe in John 3, 6, for he died for all the world uh, so that we could be saved. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not for a select few. It's not just for the blacks. It's not for the whites. It's not for the Americans. It's not for today. It's for all the world. It doesn't matter what language they speak. It doesn't matter what color they are. All whosoever call can be saved. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that when I get up behind this pulpit on a daily basis, a weekly basis now, that I'm able to preach and I can preach that I know that when they hear the gospel, no matter who's sitting in the pews, they can get saved. It doesn't matter where they've come. It doesn't matter where they've been. It doesn't matter if they've been brought up as a hellion. It doesn't matter if they've been up in church. That everyone in that comes into this church will hear the gospel and they can respond to the gospel. Now it's up to them. It's not up to God. God has not select a few. I tell you, I would quit preaching if I bought into that. One thing, that's not Bible. And so here he's got a call and he says this promise goes even further back. But then we see that not only was there a call in Abraham's life, but we see that how does this journey of faith start? Well, first of all, it's, we call it saving faith or believing faith. Now, watch the progression here. First and foremost, before you can be a person of faith, you have to believe in faith. What are you believing? You're putting your faith on what Jesus said that he did, what the Bible says that Jesus did. You believe. You believe that Jesus died for you. You believe that Jesus shed his blood for you. You believe that he was placed in a tomb. You believe that he was there for three days. But on the third day, he rose in victory. See, we have to believe not only that, but we also have to believe that I can have access. The Bible tells us when uh, Jesus was crucified, the veil that separate the holy place from the holy of holies was torn in half. And what does that help us to understand? Now, every one of us, you don't have to go through a priest. You don't go through a preacher. You don't go through a deacon body you can go boldly into the throne room of grace not only has the Lord Jesus Christ tore down the veil but he tore down every barrier that kept you from the Lord Jesus Christ that's the reason why I believe that there's no such teaching as Calvinistic theology I don't buy into it we see it all through the Old Testament they can only go if you're a Gentile go to the court of Gentiles if you was a woman you could only go into the court of the women I'm telling you when Jesus came and when Jesus became our sacrifice, he tore all the walls down that ever whosoever call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. You got to believe that. But not only do you have to believe that, you now have to act upon that. It's one thing believing it. It's another thing acting upon it. See, Abraham had faith in a God that he heard from. And not only did he hear and believe, but he acted. Now, what happens when you start acting? Then you have a life of faith. Now, that life of faith has to incorporate as the catalyst, the hub that keeps the wheel together. You have to obey. 
what the Word of God tells you. You have to believe and you have to obey. Abraham did exactly that. Now, am I saying that God will always tell you to pack up and leave? No. But if he does, you must be obedient. I'm going to tell you a very quick story. And, and under, I'm prefacing this. I am by no means, no means am I saying, hey, look at me. But I want to tell you, uh, uh, we were in Alabama, North Alabama. Things were going well. God just impressed upon my heart we needed to move back to Florida. He pressed and I dealt with that and argued with him. I said, I'm happy. I'm, I had a, a jail ministry going. I was doing alcohol and drug counseling within the jails. And uh, we were happy and had to, or, or the kids were getting small. I mean, things were going well. But God said, you need to move back. I started talking to Donna about it, and we decided, well, that's what we need to do. So we uh, contacted her folks and told them, hey, say, we're moving uh, back. And we didn't mean that we were moving back into our house because that wouldn't happen uh, because of Donna, not because they love me. But uh, <laughs> So I said, no, I, I'm really, I, I, feel, I feel so impressed. Didn't have a job. Didn't know where we were going to live. We're packing up the day that we're moving. Still didn't know where, where we're going to land. Just by coincidence, and I say that with a sarcastic tongue, Donna's parents call us and say, hey, we're going to have to come up to Centerville. She had an aunt there that needed some help and whatnot. She said, we're move, uh, going to move up there temporarily uh, the house is going to be empty. You guys can just live in there. Okay, God, I'm starting to see. So we go and we move into the house. I start going. We attended a church. And God gave me and told me that I needed to quit running from being a pastor. I was doing everything else I could do. I was doing jails. I was doing... I, w I was so... I was so desperate that I even went into youth ministry. <laughs> and so we're, we're doing all that, of going to a new church that was really blowing and going, and oh, we were just members there. Well, about, um, uh, four, about four weeks before, Donna's parents said, uh, hey, we're coming back home. They were nice about this, but basically what they said is, you need to get out. <laughs> yes. Well, we looked around. That, that same day, we found another place to live. I'd gotten another job. Long story short, don't want to bore you. My first church was a church not too terribly far away from there. I was serving on staff. I finally surrendered and said, okay, Lord, I'll do what you told me to do. I went before the church and told them, God has told me that I need to go into the pastorate. And I said, y'all need to pray for us. Uh, and we're just looking for God's guidance. The next day, I get a call from one of the deacons, run the lumber yard. And he says, hey, you're not going to believe this. 
He says, but I've just talked to a deacon at a church that's without a pastor, and I gave them your name. Well, that first instinct was I should have never made it public. But uh, I was still, you know, I'm still a little nervous about all this. And I said, he said, do you want to call them? And I said, yes. Call him, long story short, that was my first church. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying back in Alabama, God impressed upon my heart to pack up and to move to Florida with no jobs, nothing. Oh, by the court, in, in this, uh, Donna gets on with the VA and uh, the rest is history there. What I'm saying is, listen, I am not puffing my, I'm just telling you, when God impresses upon you, you know it's God's will, you better go. God is faithful. And He provided everything that we needed. Everything. I didn't miss a meal. Oh, we, we, we were able to pay our bills. I'm telling you, God is faithful. When you're obedient, God honors obedience. And so here, Abraham, he moves on. Now, oh, we see here that God had this plan for Abraham. See, Abraham, he was able to go because he felt and he knew that God had a plan for him. He didn't know what the plan was, but he knew that God had a plan for him. And we see it in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter number 29, verse number 11, where it says, this is the way God thinks towards you. He thinks he has thoughts of peace and of hope. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for this church. Now, we don't know where this plan is going to fall out. We don't know what it's all going to come uh, in, the, in, the, in the days that lie ahead. But we just need to trust God. And we need to walk as a corporate body of believers here. We need to walk by faith that God has a plan. We don't see the plan. We don't understand the plan. But we're just acting upon our faith. God will take care of it. God will take care of us. Now, uh, Spurgeon, he, he came this. Now, I love this. I, and I have to read it because I don't want to miss it. He says, God is too wise to be mistaken. He goes on and says, and he is too good to be unkind. And when you do not understand and when you do not see his plan and you cannot trust or trace his hand, trust his heart. That's a person of faith. I'm telling you, I didn't understand why I was called to leave North Alabama and go to Florida. I didn't see the plan. But we acted upon that because we understood that we serve a mighty God. God is faithful. Why in the world would God tell me something and not be able to provide the resources for me to be able to enact the plan that he has in for my life? Church, what I'm trying to tell you tonight is many of us do not see God's plan. We, do, we can't trace his hand at times. We just have to trust his heart. And you can't go wrong with that. Now, very quickly here, we see that he also was convinced. Look at uh, verse number 9. Uh, Abraham was convinced. He did, not, uh, see the, he did not see his people go into the promised land. But we've already alluded to the fact is that he lived as if he already saw that promise being fulfilled. And he had confidence. 
Church, we need to have confidence that God's plan for our lives and for the life of this church will be fulfilled. And we don't need to wait until we see the plan in action. We need to go ahead and act now as if the plan has already been revealed to us. What really upsets us with God is that He doesn't give us every detail along the way. That just, that just burns us sometimes. I don't know why he's trying to come. It's because if he showed us every minor detail, then we would not have any reason to act on our faith. And so he goes, Abraham, and we see that he pitches the tent. He lives in tabernacles. But in Philippians chapter 3, verse number 20, I'm closing with this. In Philippians chapter 3, verse number 20, it says that we are citizens of heaven. That's where our citizenship is. But then it goes on and it says, and we were eagerly wait upon the Lord. Now, I thought about this. Now, I, I could be off base. I, I maybe will be called into question on this one. But it says we're citizens of heaven, but we're eagerly awaiting upon our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Now, here's the question I have. Are we going to be waiting when we get to heaven? What do we got to be waiting for? We don't have nothing to wait for, right? So what is that? Here's what the text says. Now, here again, if I'm wrong, you go ahead and uh, you tell me, you straighten me out on this. If we're citizens of heaven, but yet we're eagerly waiting upon the Lord... But yet when we get to heaven, we're not waiting on the Lord because we'll know everything. Uh, we'll know it by and by as the old song goes. We won't have any questions because all those questions are going to be answered because we're going to see Jesus face to face. And the Bible says, and we shall be like him. Amen. Right? What I think and what it spoke to me is, yes, we're citizens of heaven, but while we're down here, we are waiting on the Lord. But while we're waiting on the Lord, we need to act as if we're already there. Is that where our citizenship is? That's where our home is, is it not? But down, we're, we're temporary down here. We're waiting for Him to come. And I've said it in my Sunday school class this morning is that too many times we're, we're so heavenly minded. Now, I'm not, listen to what I'm saying. I'm not saying we shouldn't think about heaven. We shouldn't think and, and praise God that one day I'm going to be in a perfect place and I'm going to be worshiping Him for all ever. I'm not going to have to worry about my eyes. I'm going to have to worry about my bad knees. I don't have to worry about my bad heart. We're going to have perfect bodies, perfect place, worshiping the perfect God, okay? I have no problems. We ought to be praising Him for that. We ought to be thanking Him for that. But my dear friend, sometimes we can be so heavenly minded that we become no earthly good. And what God is trying to say to us tonight is yes, you have a wonderful place waiting for you. Yes, you ought to praise me for that. But I got something for you down here. And we're missing it. Because we're, oh, I can't just wait. And I've said it too. I get in those days where I say, oh, Lord, would you just come back today? I'm tired of this place. I'm tired of feeling like this. I'm tired of listening to all the stuff that I'm listening to. I'm tired of my kids and my grandchildren being exposed to demonic stuff. I'm tired of that. Lord, would you just come back? And then the Holy Spirit says, 
He is coming. But until he comes, we got work to do down here. And he says, I have something in store for you. And you're going to miss it. Because you're so heavenly minded. That we become no earthly good. Do I want the Lord to come tonight? You better believe it. But what happens to those who get left behind? Church, we have in this community, they are moving in by the droves. I'm meeting people from California. I'm meeting people from all around the world. They're all coming here. And they're looking for churches. And some are not looking for churches. We're starting to see. I was in Nashville last night. Went to dinner at uh, this place. If you like Middle Eastern food, I got the place for you. You want to go in the daytime, but I got the place for you. I'm I'm just letting you know. My grandchildren were with me. And they got all excited because the uh, police cars that were passing kind of on a regular basis and, uh, and ambulances and they're, uh, and, my, and my Elijah's going, live PD, live PD. I said, I said, you did, I said, Elijah, you didn't know you was going to get entertainment with your dinner here. But all in that area now, Muslims, predominantly Muslim. The, the guys that owned the restaurant in which we left, uh, well, we did leave eventually, ate at from Turkey. Turkey. Neighborhoods. Just in my neighborhood, Indians. And I'm not talking about, ooh, Indians. <laughs> I'm talking those from India have moved into our neighborhood. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. And that was no slam on pastor over here. They're from India. Folks, God is bringing people into our doorsteps that do not look like us, do not talk like us, have no clue to what the gospel is, and we're more concerned about getting out of here. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't. What I'm saying is, if we get out of here, they go to hell. We need to live by faith. And if they're not going to hear, who's going to go tell them? I also thought about this, and and I'm closing. Sometimes I just can't help myself. There's times when I'm thinking... I don't know why you would keep your child in public schools. Here again, Holy Spirit, what is wrong with you? If you take your grandchildren and kids out of public school, if we take those who are believers that are in teaching position, we take them out of the school, then we have fallen into the trap that Satan has put there for us. That's exactly what he wants. And we can go ahead and we can fuss and we can say all the way, but how do they know unless they see somebody of faith walk into their lives? Church, it's time for us to get up off our pews. 
It's time for us to get out of these four walls. And it's time for us to go where God has told us to do. And he's going to tell us to go into places we're not comfortable with. He's going to tell us to go into homes that we don't want to go into. He's going to tell us to go to people that we don't understand their culture. But I'm telling you, the gospel of Jesus Christ, no matter what language, is still the same gospel of Jesus Christ. It's time for us to get busy.